It's happy hour again from the Collins Hotel at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in lovely uptown New Orleans. The Collins Hotel is a great place to come and stay if you're coming to visit us here in New Orleans. And it's a great place to come and have a drink with us here on happy hour if you're already here. My name is Grant Morris and my special guests today are Dawn Ditto. Dawn, how's it going? Oh, where is Dawn? Not here. Hopefully Dawn's going to walk in the door at some point during the conversation. The other two guests who have shown up are Willie Birch. Hi, Willie. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Good. And Nesby Phipps. What's up, my man? How are you guys doing? I'm marvelous. I'm sorry that it's just the three of us and Dawn didn't make it, but we have got Mitch Foreman back in our studio on the piano who can play the part of Dawn Dudo until she arrives. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're not too bad. Not too bad. What have you been doing this week? Anything exciting? Uh... I've been I've been kind of busy working on a lot of different projects. I'm working on this German fusion music project. Whoa! German fusion. What does German fusion sound like as opposed to German. you know American fusion? It's uh, more precise. It's it's very precise. It's actually very uh, it's uh, intellectually advanced. Oh really? Let's, let's call that. It's very uh, yeah. It's kind of cool. It's really cool with a lot of great players, and I'm co-producing with a friend of mine. Why is it's it German? Really is, the, is there a German person involved in it? There's a German composer named Michael Schmidt. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nesby is also a composer. Alles klar. Uh, in a retro sense, if you will, yeah, I am. How retro are we talking about? Uh, Childhood? Well, uh, I'm, I, I do compose, but it's a new format of it, given all this technology we got, you know. Do you call yourself... Well, I see on your website you call yourself a rapper. MC. MC. And... Producer. A producer. Yes. Now, I haven't heard the word MC since Hammer. Yeah. The last time I saw MC was MC Hammer. Is that like a term that's back again? Nah, though, though, nah it never went anywhere, for one. For two, it's not just a, a, a title, a term, rather, but it, it is, it's a job, a, a position you hold in the culture of hip-hop. They are MCs as well as so DJs. So what is the definition of an MC compared to, to DJ? MC. Uh, is it spelled E-M-C-E-E? It is, and it's also referred to an acronym form as the letter M and the letter C. And it could be used as master of ceremony or microphone commander. Ah. It's basically the voice in this uh, genre of music. So what, is it, what does it entail? It entail is it, and how does it differ from, from being a regular person who sings or talks? Then? It's the same so thing. It's, it's the master of the ceremony. Okay. It's, it's the, so the it's quarterback the of the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So when I'm on stage, there's a DJ. Sometimes there may be dancers. And there's the crowd. But I'm the center. It starts with I'm Barack Obama during my 15 minutes of fame. How many minutes are we into? Uh, I think I'm at three and a half, bro. Three and a half, so yeah. we've got a good 11 and a half to go. Yeah. How's it working out? I love it. Bro. You're enjoying the first three and a half minutes of fame? I love it, bro. Hey, you know what? I forgot to figure out what time we are on. That was a bit of, bit of a mistake. On what, how we're are we about looking? We're good? Oh, we're good. Okay, no problem. Okay. Hey, um, so w- you guys haven't met before, Willie and, and Nesby, right? Right. No, we haven't. You just met for the first time here. You seem to be getting along, though, is the main well, thing. Well, it's New Orleans, you yeah, know. You uh, we felt each other out, and then we knew we were well, home. There you go. You know? It only there took, you like, go. one second. You looked at each other and said, what school did you go to? No, Where did you grow up? No, there's well, a, there's that was a, a lot before that. Yeah, <laughs> see, there's a language, you know. New Orleans has its own language, oh, its spoken. own culture. So uh, uh-huh. it's double entente, you know. So uh, it's, it's only natural. So when you're from here... You always ask, who is your mama? Yeah. And so, and that, we can trace who you are. Right. Who is yeah. your mama, Willie? Well, she's dead now, but she was 93 when she died. But she was a great, she was a great woman, great cook. Mm. Yeah. That's her best quality? Well, and she was my mother. 
Well, that's a good quality in itself. Right. But Dig it. Right. What did she cook? What did she like to cook? Everything. You know, gumbo, you name it, you know. But she cooked for the, like, the mass in the 50s and stuff, so. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah she, co- yeah, she cooked in the big houses, yeah. Oh, so she was a, she was a professional. Yes, cook. she was a cook. When I said she was a cook, oh, she was I thought a cook. you meant she was a cook like she was a good cook. I no. knew that, but you know, <laughs> she was no, she, she was, was a, cook. a really good cook. She, yeah. No, she was a she was a real deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what about what about your dad? Uh, he was longshoreman, and if you know anything about the history, they they were uh, very powerful, uh, particularly in the forties, fifties, because know. of the. Well, they were union? Uh, not on just... not on the union, but in terms of uh, uh, creating standard of living and uh, and and also in terms of uh, taking political stands that were uh, really important for uh, the development of African American people in this city. So I don't think people really know that much about the longshoremen. The except longshoremen, know, just for I've anyone never heard who, that before. The yeah. lo- longshoremen are guys who load and unload ships. At the, yeah, on, on but the they also could stop ships from unloading. You know, I mean, th- this is, you know, the power, right. you know, of, of black men at that time. So they were incredible. You know, well, that was a big deal, being able to stop a ship being loaded or unloaded, because that was what the economy. Well, for what reason would they stop a ship? If, if well, if, if they didn't like the working conditions, if uh, it could be for a various amount of reasons. Reasons. But uh, uh, the idea of uh, if uh, uh, they didn't feel that the conditions were very human, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, so, ain't no telling what they're pulling off that boat. No, you can't tell. Right. But and right. you're talking about people in the hole who carrying hundred pound sacks, you right. know. So uh, uh, and in terms of jobs, right. so uh, the longshoremen uh, have an incredible history. When you look at uh, uh, the development of New Orleans, incredible. Yeah. yeah, that may be something you might consider. Right. You know, investigating that. But yeah, yeah, I, like I Aaron Neville was a longshoreman. Well, yeah, right. I started, uh, off, I started off this year doing a song with Aaron. Yeah, well, yeah. Aaron and I were in high school together. That's wow. Yeah, Corn, Corn, yeah. yeah. And then my, I, my, my, what's it called with the car? You know, Peter Nero. No, uh, he might be a few years no. older than you. All right, my yeah. uncle, my uncle went there. My great uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Aaron and I went to. Coin together. Yeah. Come on in. Look who's come here. Come on in. It's Dawn Dido. Hey, come on in. Sit down, Dawn. We were just talking about you earlier. They weren't talking about you. We were just put on those put on those headphones. Put just down, jump right put down, in. There you go. Turn your phone ringer down. You know. That, oh, watch out for your sunglasses, there, Dawn. Okay, very nice. Well, I know you couldn't have been ah, talking you about sound me much. <laughs> we were saying, what happened to you? Why are you so late? <laughs> I had to pick up some artwork, and they weren't ready. And ah, this is what happens when you're an artist. No, no, no. I apologize. I, I didn't realize this was a, a live. Yeah, well, we you know we had to is go because not, Willie said he was going to fall asleep if we stayed up too much. It's longer. all about Willie. That's my. Mother. I know. So yeah, now you guys, all about you Willie. two know each other, right? No, we don't know each other. This, <laughs> you this, don't know each other this, at all. This is just the way well, we badge each other. You know? Well, so. we were just talking. <laughs> we were just talking about the longshoremen and the history of longshoremen in New Orleans. And I was just going to ask you, Willie, if your parents lived long enough to see that, to f- know that you had a piece of work in the in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New of York course, City. Of course, man. Yeah, so of course. No, my mother was 89 when she decided that maybe I, I was going to make it. <laughs> really? She finally stopped asking if you were going to get a real job when she was yeah, 89? Right, 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 right. Did she expect you to have a real job at some point? No, I didn't think she thought that the art career was a viable career. Uh, but then that was normal, you know, I think, during that right. time. Yeah. But then, you know, uh, after well, all my years of struggle, you know, and finally I, you know, seemed to have accomplished something, well, it became more accepted. I think, you know, it's a funny story. Uh, I was in the Society page in the 90s in, uh, in New Orleans, 
and her friends called her and said, you know, Willie's in the society page. Now, if you know anything about black folks in the society page in New Orleans, that's big. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, everybody said, I think the boy is going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by that time, you were in your 50s or something, 40s yeah. or 50s. Well, yeah, maybe 60. Maybe well, you're getting close to 60. When so, was your last job, in quotations? The job? Yeah. In- oh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, since the uh, early 90s, the only thing I've ever done was make art. Uh, nice. And uh, I've taught college too, so I, okay. I taught at Hunter, you know, and uh, uh, so. Uh, but basically, all my life has been about wanting to be an artist. Yeah. Uh, didn't quite understand what that meant, yeah. but so all my what, life. What did you figure out that it does mean? It means uh, you are a recorder of, of the time frame that you live in, Boom. and and in uh, all the various ways that you uh, and opportunities that you have to do that. So uh, that's basically what I am. I'm a recorder of... Uh, Is that what it's been from the beginning when we lived in a cave and we didn't right. have anything else to do except hunt and eat and that's, there was nothing? That's how it starts, and I think that's where it'll always be. I've often wondered about that guy, the first guy that picked up the stick or the stone and drew the buffalo or the bison on the cave wall. What do you think was going through that guy's mind? He was just telling people what was around them and what was sacred. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, we, we try to intellectualize things, but sometimes it's a very simple explanation for why things exist. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I don't think that he was, in my mind, that it's necessarily a depiction of the reality around us. It might be trying to invoke what is there that we might not see or to provoke us to think further about what may be in our reality. Is that what you're trying to do when you sit down to do something? Not all the time, but uh, sometimes I think there's a passivity, which is not a negative word, but there's a passivity uh, in recording one's time and place. And then there's a, uh, also a, a occasions for proactive. The passivity meaning just, just taking a photo of it, as it were, or making a representation Well, to of document it. your time and place, as mm-hmm. and to, to leave it for history, to leave it for the future, and for it to be a historical record. And then there's another role, and I see Willie sometimes in this role. I see myself sometime in this role, and it's uh, kind of an art activist role where we're also trying to use our art in some way within a community context. It's two different things, but I think that... Well, one is trying to rebuild the world, and one is trying to change the world. You know, I mean, Don and I are both called activists, but I think that that's just a natural part of of certain human beings. And... uh, um, uh, my history goes all the way back to the civil rights movement. So uh, that, uh, and, and it was Aretha Castle Haley who basically uh, got me to understand that the role of the artist was important in that struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that role was to document and record uh, the history of what was going on. And if I didn't do it, who was going to do it? Right. So uh, that that was very very important to do me. You, but do you being feel that imperative that you have to do it because if you don't do it, who I is feel going to? at this point it's just part of who I am. But at that time, I was very conscious of uh, of, of making imagery that reflected my experience, which was not being recorded or not being spoken. Oh, about you thought that nobody was nobody was doing recording the stuff that you wanted recorded. Well, that what you were seeing was European-style art, not African-style Well, it's not necessarily European, because uh, well, I think we knew little about Europe then, right. in, the, in the 50s and 60s. We knew more about America 
and we knew that that America didn't think very highly of people of color. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, uh, to take that mantle and understand the importance of that role as a creative force uh, uh, gave me a, a real understanding of the importance. Aretha uh, used to stress that when you look at revolutions, the people who go to jail first are usually the artists uh, because <laughs> they have one foot in poverty and one foot in aristocracy. Uh -huh. So that was very, very important in terms of understanding. And through that, I was able to not only uh, develop what I do, but obviously at some point I got some kind of recognition for what I was doing. Yeah, at some point, well, you got on the society page. <laughs> <laughs> Something go. went right. Well, in terms of New Orleans, I guess that's big stuff. That's apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you managed to get a Guggenheim Fellowship. Yeah, and you've got right. work in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Right, all that, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to make a comment about Willie. Say, mm. You were saying, well, no one else was doing it. Yeah. You made some references. I think if you look at American art history or international art history at that time, for African Americans partaking in um, modernism or contemporary art as we know it, you have someone like Sam Francis out of D.C. who was a kind of an abstract expressionist. Um, who was making it at the time. And then Willie comes, it's Willie's turn and people of his generation. And I think artists of Willie's generation who were African American, really it was important to deal with the civil rights movement and with the inequities. And so I, you do see a shift where they kind of get off of art for art's sake train right. and deal with what's going on in the sociological sphere. And so there is a shift. And it happened with African-American artists, but I think simultaneously with women, women okay. and, and then eventually a few white boys got on board. You know. Well, I thought the white boy was always there. It was, it was his world. It was ours to, well, uh, to take. The art, the art world, like every other world, was controlled by white males, I assume. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking about it? power base so much no, as, as, as a particular artists. kind of statement, and I think that the white, art, white male artists all of a sudden could not deny the power of what was going on in African-American art and, f and feminism, and I think it shifted where uh, white male art went. Right. Did, did, I mean, just to That's keep... That's interesting. Do you think that, <laughs> that African-American art had anything to do with the civil rights movement other than, than recording it? That it I think it was more the, uh, the music. You talk about Harry Belafonte, who was right. incredible in terms of... Uh, being a support for uh, for Martin Luther King. You talk about Aretha Franklin. You talk wow. about Mahalia Jackson. Wow. In terms of the visuals, I, I think uh, most of the uh, the African-Americans who went to uh, uh, school, trained, formal training like myself, they uh, uh, were embraced initially because people realized that there were these very talented people and they had to open a certain amount of doors. My generation, like Don said, we learned what we could in terms of formally, but then we rejected that, mm -hmm. and that's where that's where the politics, and, you know, and the uh, you know, anarchist aspect. But you said, you said something very interesting in. there, though, and in that we all know the names Harry Belafonte and, right. and these other people's names because mm -hmm. they're because they're they're visual. I mean, they're audio artists, mm -hmm. but we don't know. And Nesby, do you know the names of these visual artists? Nesby, did you meet? Did you meet Dawn? By the way, this no, is Dawn. Nesby, no, Nesby Phipps. Phipps. My pleasure. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, We're going to listen to some of Nesby's music in just a moment. <coughs> but do you, do you know the I mean, we don't know the names of visual artists. I, I, I mean, well, just off the rip, Ernie Barnes. Uh, and, and it goes so many other ways. Uh, you know, I can't, my recall is short on this particular subject right now. But there was 
visual artist uh, virtually every time, known the man, period. That's a, that's a part of culture. Well, that's you know how it's got, I think visual arts came yeah. before the record. I mean, the, the, yeah, it the did. oral arts. It I did, would but that, yeah. what, he, what he's talking about is more popular, touch more people, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and it resonated yeah. more because everybody don't, don't respond to art. I, but I, almost I, everybody I, I think everybody, I don't want to correct you, but I well, think everybody well. does respond to art. I think what it is is that the way the art structure uh, was created, particularly in this country, it was, I saw it as an elitist endeavor. Uh-huh. And that it, it it excluded certain types of people. It, it, it excluded women from the dialogue. It, it excluded African Americans from the dialogue. Right. And I think in the '60s, we began to take that mantle mm-hmm. because the doors were open. And uh, my generation, I always like to think, is the second generation to be allowed to go to the, the better art schools in America. Uh-huh. And through that, we understood what was inside. Some of us choose to attack that and others choose to embrace that in terms of whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I I think the 60s was a a time of more inclusiveness. I like to think that African-American art is the first postmodern art in America. And I'm sure Don, you know, would take some, uh, 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 you know, issue with that. And I'd love that too. But (laughs) but that's where uh, uh, men, uh, women in particular, and people of color begin to assert their own identity in terms of culture. Right. The beauty is if you grow up in a place like New Orleans, which has always been postmodern, mm-hmm. then you're dealing with something that's always existed because mm-hmm. African Americans have always found a way through their own culture, which is called New Orleans culture, to create a statement that's unique to them. And what is the purpose of culture? It, that it gives you an identity. It, mm-hmm. it speaks to who you are. So. Right. I would like to debate Willie, but not on your time. Uh, and you can, and I don't you fully can tell disagree. Him he's totally wrong, if you. No, like, no, no. He can... is not totally wrong. But I, I think the only thing I would take issue with is using the word the first postmodernist. I think the strength uh, and the dominance of African American artist uh, really came a little later and concurrent with postmodern as, as an architecture term. I think it's even stronger with someone like Fred Wilson mining the museum. You've got Kara Walker. Um, there are a lot of artists dealing with that, and I think it got stronger later on than earlier. But yeah, we'll talk about yeah, that. I mean, you've got. You know, I just want to get this in. But before that, there was uh, there was Romé Bearden, there was uh, Jacob Lawrence. I've heard uh, of Jacob Lawrence. Uh, but that was not postmodern. Do you know, Nisby, do you know well, these, I think who was. these names oh, are? Well, tell the truth. Uh, b- b- uh, I, I don't know who these light, people are. Lightweight. The, Jacob Lawrence. I've heard of. Though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Charles White, Elizabeth Catlip. You have dynamic uh, artist activists, if you want to call them that, yeah, well, who are my whole making point, relevant work. I think it's Do more you know part of the guys? WPA. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who these people are. Do you not, Mitch? Have you heard these names before? See, I've think never the, heard them. I think the, the visual arts, which is why we decided to call mm-hmm. the show Who Needs Art, mm-hmm. the visual arts exist in a world that's sort of hermetically sealed almost from the rest of society. Right. All you artists know each other and know what's going on. And all we see once in a while is something in a frame on the wall like this. Yeah, well, that, that's we don't changing. Know how it gets that's, there. Cha- that's changing though, because you, 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 I'm gonna pull from from your street art that's going on right now, and that's kind of subliminally, you know, put in front of you as opposed to being somewhere where who someone had to go who was into that to find that. You see what I'm saying? Like art is kind of in front of your face now, just by way of, of popular media, uh, the, you know, advertising and, and things like that. Right. But you know, to touch on 
what's in front of your face or accessible right now. The street art is in front of your face, and I, I was never into it, even though I'm into art, but it kind of fell in my lap, and then I, I began to find out about your Bainskis and your Mr. Brainwashes and all these type of people, so Mr. that's changing. Yeah, that's right. changing. I guess that's how you found out about art, we not, with an informal, well, most of us have an informal education about uh, visual art. Well, Willie and I are school, I mean, we both studied it and practiced it, right. too, so we, right. we both have art history background. Right. But the, right. the point I was making Which was doesn't it, make us better artists, by the way, but truly, we do. Right. <laughs> Just another, right. artist of another kind. You know, right. you know right. where you are. But yeah. my, my point was is that you, you, it's, not, it's not hitting as much as it, as it might have used to be, you know, because right. a lot of things are kind of bleeding over into other things on, yeah. all, on all type of levels. Well, I think yeah. there's a reason for that, and the reason because we're in a visual, today it's visual. It's, yeah, it's, it's right uh, there. The music has changed, mm-hmm. and I think rap and, and that's why I'm very interested in, in what you're doing mm-hmm. in terms of rap really uh, uh, highlighted the need to uh, create something that was authentic, mm-hmm. that was about your personal experience, whether I agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. So I think that has also been used not only uh, uh, nationally but internationally mm-hmm. to speak to issues. But the idea of a place like New Orleans, which is about storytelling, because that's how I see rap, mm-hmm. Uh, we in that age. So visual media is, we're bombarded with it. Television right. is able to create a six screen, right. six screen imagery where you're looking at right. six images all at the same time. Right. Well, although a lot of that come out of artists who have been experimenting mm-hmm. with, with, with the medium, the idea is that this is the age we're in. So I think as we uh, uh, move down in years, it will become more, more important. And in New Orleans in particular right now, uh, just given uh, the nature of what's happening here since Katrina in particular. Mm-hmm. Let's, ha- let's have a listen. Let me just interrupt you for a second, Dawn. Let's, inter- let's have a listen to some stuff that, you, that you're doing. Let's so, do we, so we can see where you're coming from. You want a little con? Yeah. Let's have a... Hey, Dawn, did you get a drink? Kate is our waitress. No, don't tell anybody. Did she hook you up? Okay, we'll keep that. <laughs> let's let's well, stay can, on track. Okay, you can share Willie's drink. So, Nesby, what are we going to listen to? Let's take a let's uh, tell us something about what we're going to hear first. Um, since we all say Molotov, I'm gonna start with that. You want to start with Molotov? Is a very abstract. This is my this is this is me doing what he does visually, and uh, it, was, it was an abstract song it, uh, to the T from from its inception on into the final stages of it. It's called Molotov Cocktail, and this is a a great uh, representation of who I am as a musician. (laughs) What's up, baby? Shit, sometimes you won't go where everybody know your name. My space go two ways together. Somebody's in here. (laughs) Bowtender, bowtender, bowtender. Make me a drink. Uh, What you you having? What you think, shit? Give me a a Molotov Cocktail. Okay. Cannon, cannon. Yeah, and put a flame on it. <laughs> Shit, so I could leave a stain on it. Yeah, give me a, a Molotov cocktail. Okay. Nod your head to the flick of my lighter. Fire to the ass of a joint, get you higher. Never end over my head, I'm a guyver. Even in the midst of the madness, I'm a rider. Heavy on the stamina, 
amateurs. Easily revealed in the presence of a panther. Feline fantasies get fulfilled. Tell them canines chill. It's the leader of the pack with nine lives to live. What's a king without a queen? A leader without a team. Heater without a beam. A crops without the cream. I'm self-motivated, so props is not the thing. Approval of spectators does not bring the ring of a champion. Clamping in, I'm champagne sipping. Touche, not the cliche, my campaign pimping. Feel privilege if I played you. Plastic over paper, magic over the Lakers. Happy to make your day, cuz. Bartender, bartender, bartender. Make me a drink. What you having? What you think, shit? Give me a Molotov cocktail. Okay. Yeah, and put a flame on it. Shit, so I can leave a stain on it. Give me a Molotov cocktail. You gets no love and I thought you knew it How to rap a groupie from the club to the jacuzzi My vernacular more spectacular than you dudes is Word of truth in the booth, rapping Confucius Hardest rhymes out, bite my shit, be left toothless What I wear, what I smoke, both exclusive Prime real estate, bitch, you see a nigga wanna build Hold a bell pimping, got your women catching chills Clear windows, see me sitting behind the wheel on the real, say I won't, bet I will, but still, it ain't no fun. If the homies can't get a piece of it, we brownies in the oven. By the time she was buzzing, we was already fucking. Screaming so loud, she awoke my little cousin. Seen them in the morning, she was too embarrassed to say something. But bitches and breakfast, you gotta love it. Yeah, bartender, bartender, bartender. Make me a drink. <laughs> Yeah, what you think? Shit. I'm smoking on some strong. Got some bitches who love to smoke bongs, papers, and bowls. So pretty much anything goes. Come and kick it with blow. Some of this chronic smoke. Go to stores to cop shit even when they say they close. These Louis, I suppose. And right now I'm high, my eyes so freaking low. I might as well keep them closed. You fucking with winners. Cushion orange juice on my ass, flicking my ashes on dinner, nigga. Bolt in the bolt in the bolt Make me a drink. What you having? What you think, shit? Give me a cocktail. Bitches and breakfast, you gotta love it. Yeah, yeah. Those were, uh, that's uh, Currency uh, from New Orleans as well. He went to Magman with me. And Wiz Khalifa out of Pittsburgh. They're two. uh, Wiz Khalifa is like a big deal now. Yeah, he's definitely a big deal. So, how do you get hooked up with these guys? Well, Currency and I went to high school together. And, you know, he rapped. And I I was mainly producing, I wasn't rapping full time. And uh, he and I started working. And. He, he, I forgot how him and uh, Wiz met, but we did a session in Manhattan last year, and we did this two weeks after I laid my verse and the song down, and uh, I just played it for him, and they jumped on it. So that's how that I, I would out. imagine people outside of here must be pretty shocked when they hear what you're doing, aren't they? Oh man, what? We so typecast, uh, excuse me, typecasted in that genre. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Not not knowing that this was, um, and from what I'm told, the first place an African drum drum being the main component of hip hop. Uh, the first place the African drum was played in America. I think Congo Con- Square. Congo Square, I think, yeah. was where so, it all So, you know, it, it's funny how they would say, I mean, this is the birthplace of jazz in addition to that other fact. And yet, you know, we still talking about music here, something abstract as hip-hop, and people still kind of second-guess what we have to offer to the world. What you're doing on this stuff is so much more sophisticated and musical than we're used to hearing Yeah, from yeah. from most people here and in general. Yeah. In well, rap, I, c- I come from a musical background. I grew up in, as I told him before, I was an MC, I was a poet, and I understand, uh, you know... Uh, 
You called you called yourself a poet before or anything else. That's quite brave as well, isn't it? it that's what I was. I mean, you know, I'm gonna be brave about it. I, I've won contests to prove it. You know, in school or whatnot. Yeah. You know, I wrote short stories for myself. Some of them never made it out of my bedroom, but it was always me chasing after that need to uh, express myself creatively. And uh, uh, like as I was saying, uh, I grew up in a house full. My, my father played the flute, saxophone. We had an upright. World Lines piano in the house. You know, I learned how to play freehand from my father. My mother played the piccolo and flute as well, and I, I uh, violin lessons, snare drum lessons. But as he was saying earlier about art, some people rejected the formal training of it, which I did. And why did you do that? Why did you want to make? Because because just like my kids now, my mind was moving faster, and in uh, learning to read music, which is another language within itself. Uh, I, I couldn't get with it. It, 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 it couldn't keep up with what, yeah. what my mind was. And yeah. Now, I, as a grown man, I hate having regrets, but I wish I would have gotten those lessons now Do because think, of what I like progressed to, to. Would you like to be able to read music today? That's what yeah, that's, yeah what I definitely would. It's another that, language. What would that do for you, though? What would that do? I would be speaking another language. Yeah. Something in, inside of a, a, a realm that I, I'm doing extremely well in, you know, and, and, and I, Rachel Van Voorhees is a harp player. And when her and I met, she was amazed that I made all of this original music, and I didn't know what the middle C on a piano was, <laughs> and I play piano. Uh-huh. And I was amazed that she's world-renowned, recording, and performed just about everywhere, and mm-hmm. she's never made her own music before. She would only read what somebody else did. Wow. So you well, see that what? parallel yeah. right there? No. So, you know. It, 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 How it, did you meet Rachel Van Voorhees? I was getting married, and I needed my, my wife at the time wanted to... Uh, a harp player, right? And I found a harp player, and then she wound up wanting to teach me piano and all kind of stuff. But you know, the hurricane came, and her and I lost touch. When but did you get married? In two thousand four. Well, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. How's that working out? Good. Uh, we we'll talk about that another show. <laughs> <laughs> I was very impressed with the mix, uh, with the the levels of what was happening you know, wh- and the conversations going in and out. I have questions. I would like to talk to you about content, but I was very, very impressed with the mix i thought it was very sophisticated and speaking of music mm-hmm. i think that it, it's are different we, are we talking sound quality wise or just the actual components that are used both really both because i thought the I, selection I, was uh, was pretty interesting and i thought the mix was superb I, f- I find that to be totally interesting because that's that happens to be my weakest talent is the audio engineering side and, and making it sound real pristine or whatnot my my and i've, I've never used official monitoring or speakers uh, so I kind of just do it out of headphones like this. And, and I guess in doing that, my own sound has been created because people are asking me, how can they get my sound? Well, I was like, I ain't know what I was doing, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but you, now with uh, Bitches and Breakfast, are you being earnest? Or, that wasn't uh, me. That was another MC. The well, first it's, verse it's was you. You got, your, you. you got you your got name on it. it. Well, your <laughs> name's on that. And Fe- I want to know. Featuring. Featuring. <laughs> No, it doesn't I matter. Know. Wait, 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 this is interesting right here. It Hold up. It doesn't matter. Why not? Uh, because it comes from you, and so it's going to be associated with you, whether you it want to or not. It, it is associated. Hold it now. So, so one, that, that's the nature of being an artist, is that you have to be responsible and understand that whatever you touch, it has your label, whether you want it to or not, and that could be negative or positive. I so you need to, you know, and as you get, and I understand you're a young man, you're 30 now, but as you get older, you make those choices, understanding all of the different layers. Mm-hmm. Now, what I like about your music was the layering, and that's just like what Dawn and I do. We we constantly dealing with these double entendres. 
So the layering, I could feel when I'm sitting in a lounge at a bar, mm. but at the same time, there's all of these other dialogues that are going on at all these other tables. Mm. And that's visual. Mm-hmm. So we we all in the same boat. I mm-hmm. think the problem that society has done us or, or have created for us is that we don't understand that we all doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. So we have been separated for a capitalist reason to believe ah. that we all Keep are going. different. Yeah, I got and I'm at this, and that's why I'm interested in you, what, brother, what, what are the, I'm trying to bring it all full force. Right. New Orleans have always had that. Mm-hmm. It's the people who drive the culture. Yeah, it's not, good. you know, we, we like to talk about the musicians, but it's not the musicians who drive what they do. It's the people who dictate what they will listen to, and if they don't appreciate what they listen to, they will leave. They will. Now, they New will. Orleans is a perfect, especially the community you and I grew up in, mm-hmm. you see that constantly. So if the music don't fit, baby, we gone. We gone. So, so right. I, 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 I'm appreciating the fact, but I'm also seeing these layers, and, and, and being visual, and Don and I, we definitely can, we can groove right with you. I were. You know, <laughs> but we do have problem with the bitches. <laughs> I, I, I want to I <laughs> ask a question. I may just ask a question. What is the problem with the word bitch? Well, in terms of what it what it denotes, what it, what the connotation of it. You what know? is the connotation? Because it seems to me that the word "bitches" is just now referring to women in general. That it's lost any kind of pejorative term that it uh, may have. Well, even I had won't enough. say well, women it, in general, but it's you know these are rap stars and these guys are million dollar MCs now. And you I know, hadn't pe- passed judgment. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Nah, this is, in short, I mean they hang around bitches. You know. Well, what do you mean by the <laughs> word "bitches"? Uh, that they, they kind of you know loose women who just there for the moment. You know, okay. if that makes sense to you. Like but, a but, but like a Dog, yeah, like but a what, bitch right, dog right but what heat. what does that say you know because I, I, you know i have two daughters so i have a daughter so as well. so so i don't see them as bitches i don't either right so so I hope but, I don't. But, but the fact that <laughs> but it can happen but the fact that these these sounds are are, are constantly and unconsciously being projected, projected. out there mm-hmm. what does that say about them without them if i could put it very poetically uh-huh. so i think as an artist, I'm very conscious of how I use imagery. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like talking about violence. How much violence can I talk about without beginning to talk about how can we find a way to get people to understand that it lessens our humanity? Well, never, when, I, but, I, you, you hear me? Okay, I understand, okay. I understand, I understand where you're going. I know you do, yeah. Yeah, it's dawn. <laughs> I had not yet come to a um, an opinion about bitches and breakfast. I had uh-huh. a big question mark because I, I wanted to make sure whether or not you were being earnest or you were being sarcastic. Were you mimicking uh, the way it's used in the mu- in that particular hip hop culture? Mm-hmm. And my my first read on it was no. You were not being sarcastic or mimicking. You were uh-huh. appropriating it into your own sound. Mm-hmm. Right. And I found that the least original part of your piece uh-huh. because I love the layering. Yeah. I thought the, the sound levels were great and yeah. I kind of every now and then when I heard that it was like well, let oh me man get, get more original. Come on, let's get let's Let me push. give you some insight. Let me give you some insight <laughs> yeah, on like on the realm <laughs> on the realm in which I'm creating. Uh, again, the original idea of the song was the instrumental, the hook and myself being the first verse. And let me t- I'll give you a quick fact about the first verse. Okay. I wrote that verse for my wife playing around in the house. I wrote that for her to, to record because she said she wanted to record something. Not to put out, but she sees me in the studio all the time. I want to do what you do tonight. And that's what I did. All right? And that's why and you, see, you hear me making feline references and all that because that verse was actually made for a woman. 
And for one, for two, it doesn't have any cursing in it at all, if I'm not mistaken. And in hip hop, it's all about individuality, even within a group or a crew. And what those guys said is what they said. And that's what they do and go through. Because I personally don't live the hotel room, bud, bitches, and breakfast, even though I smoke more bud. But the bitches, and I'm not big on <laughs> breakfast, you know, that's not me. You know, I actually it, wake it, up in the morning but, before but the sun see, and get my kids ready. Right. I see what you're saying. But see, me, you knowing, sitting here listening to you yeah. and, 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 and feeling, you know, your vibes and understanding that you're a very bright and intelligent young man. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's just you and I. But when you look at the larger public, they don't see all of the intricacies of you making they this don't. thing for your wife and, and all of these, okay. all these personal ideas. I'm going to ask you guys a question and everybody. I'm going to ask you, all of you. All right. Do, Willie, let's go with you first and seeing you're on this. Do you have anything in mind about who's going to look at your paintings when you're painting or your sculptures when you're sculpting? Does it matter to you? Eventually, yeah. Does it? Are yeah, you yeah, thinking? No. Are you when, thinking? What are people going to think when they when see When I this? first start a work... Since, I, I, since I'm a recorder and see myself as a recorder, mm-hmm. I'm usually recording things that are in my immediate surroundings, and that happen to be within my community. Right. Okay? Yeah. Now, what happens as that thing gets older, I don't have any control over that mm-hmm. because it goes out into a larger community. But my yeah. initial impact and in understanding that the main thing that I'm interested in is showing the nuances in terms of what it means to be human. Okay, but let me just ask you this. Should yeah. he, shouldn't, should Nisby be worried that someone's going to think the word bitches is bad just, and take it out because what are people going to think no. of it? Or should he put it, keep it no, in no, because no, no, right. the hell no, with no, what no, people no. think? He needs to put in whatever he needs to put in. But, but I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, one, of my fame, one of my great artist friends who's dead now named uh, Mr. Robert Colescott, he did, he did these series of very politically charged, racially paintings. And I remember meeting him in New York at the New Museum. And, you know, he was saying, well, I don't have no control over what I do. I said, brother, you have control over what you do because you put it on the wall. Now, if you didn't want me to know, don't put it on the wall. <laughs> but once you put it on the wall, that means that I have the right to reinterpret according to how I see it. And he had never, and this man is old, was older than me. And, and we became friends based on that because that was something that he was trying to use to say, I can do anything I want. But some of the imagery was obviously very negative and stereotyped in terms of how he depicted African Americans. Right, right. With, with yeah. purpose. Robert Colescott's right. work, who, by the way, is uh, internationally right. he was known in to many. He was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm going to talk about me personally, but uh, yeah. uh, just a footnote on Robert Colescott related to your work, Nisbet. Mm-hmm. He was a provocateur. Right. And part of what he was doing in his paintings, he wanted to provoke. So I think that there is, within the genre of hip-hop, a legitimacy to, to provoke. True. So that I approve of, but gratuitous. It's just when it gets. But that's your decision. But that's 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 my decision. But I was listening to his song and I was giving opinion and I was being real straightforward about it. And and Mm -hmm. the there's um, I think it could be commodity driven too. And for young artists who are doing this to put bitches and hoes and the this and the that. That that no, I'm sorry, but no. that's what people want to hear too. Well, it makes a song yeah, yeah. edgier. It makes it more popular. It makes the rapper or the hip hop artist. I right. think uh, it gets them a little more attention. And, and it's come to be expected. 
Do you want me to talk about no, my no, own but, work? But yeah. Let me say, and, then, and I want you to talk about your work. The, the beauty of this whole experience of being a creative force is that you have the right to do anything you want. Right. And I am one who will die for you to have the right to do what you do. Right. So I say, I don't believe in censorship. Right. Okay. But I also believe that I have the right to critique. Critique. Okay. Now, and, and that's where that's, the problem. And what I re- what I and that's where him, the that's where the by, problem gets yeah, sometimes because Disney, sometimes you don't want to. What hear I receive from him as a fellow artist is that he's 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 just showing me that there's a responsibility in my creation. Am I correct? Right. Right. I, right. I receive I receive both points because hers is more neutral and objective, and his is more uh, advice from an elder. And if you did that song again, would you take that line, Bitches and Breakfast, you got to love it out? I would not take it out for one because... it's funny, right? In addition to it being funny, that's what he had to say. There you go. You okay. see what I'm saying? And, and if you read the credits, it's Molotov Cocktail by Nesby Phipps featuring Currency and Wes Khalifa. And that's what this is what this is. So what you have to give them the freedom to do what they right. want. That's what he had song. to say. Right. That's because right. he could have went and talked about triple sixes. But that's what he had to talk about. Right. You see what I'm saying? Is that so. how it works? You turn on the mic and people can just say whatever. That's what it's for. It's for yeah. self expression. Oh, I can really roll yeah. now then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's good for, you should go in the studio with Nesby and go with it. That's so Dawn, when you're creating something, I mean you have very provocative stuff. Your stuff has been like shut down even. People in New Orleans have refused to put it out on the street. Even. All right. I like it already. That's why I'm putting it on a panel. <laughs> Do you? Does that go through? Are you trying to provoke people when you, with your well, performance well, the work itself. No, the work itself. Uh, in that instance, I think you're talking about when my studio was raided by the FBI and things, things of that, and it was related <laughs> to my documentation of two gang leaders here in New Orleans who ended up being in partnership with the corrupt faction of the New Orleans Police Department. I love that word in New Orleans. <laughs> And that isn't even current. Well, so, a few police so the reason my work became <laughs> provocative is because it was true. It had some kernels of truth that were, nobody wanted it out because there were. So I even had to leave town for a while because um, I knew names of corrupt police, supposedly. Mm. And so, th- so that's a whole different thing. Um, that's when art and reality kind of meet. That's, that, that was more, and some of my work There's would no get separation. kind of reportage. So let's talk doc- about, the, just be more specific so, about, that was, that was your piece of work called Drive-By Shooting? Yes, that, that was, a, the Drive-By Shooting was uh, part of a, a large body of work that I was doing in the late 80s and the early 90s that... Um, was very comprehensive, thorough. Um, got a lot of lyrics I can share with you. We should talk, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I did that work, and I, I tried to do um, both hold on to the raw, unedited documents as best I could. We right. know nothing is really objective. Uh, but I tried to hold on to objective documents of the subjects I was working with. This is these two, in the, these two the, killers. The, well, um, suppose, alleged yes, killer. alleged okay. killers. They're both deceased. Well, one's deceased, one's on death row, and they were, the one, I can now say, yes, they were um, the, responsible for most, most of the drive-by shootings in New Orleans when we were get, murder capital of America. But did, do, you see that, do you see that as art? At the time, that's why when we first started speaking, I talked about art in two roles, one in, in kind of a passive role, which is not a qualitative statement, but one that documents history, right. and then one that interjects itself more actively in history in the making. Did you set out to do that, or that just occurred as you decided? No, no, no. I was. Um, David Duke was running uh, for office at the time. We that were. Guy. 
we were um, murder capital of America. I had been held up twice. There were two murders on my block. I thought that New Orleans was kind of getting into a helter-skelter situation. And unfortunately, I thought that the violence was being misunderstood, and it was feeding David Duke's campaign. And so I wanted to get involved to be a counterpoint, a white voice counterpoint to David Duke and to say that this violence is American-made. Right. It's not a genetic predisposition belonging to African-Americans. And it was very important to do that work. I, I, think, thought, yeah. I think what Don, I want to just say, beyond that, since she works like I work in terms of series, it's easy to take one piece out of context mm -hmm. and blow it up as if it is the, to the, the monolithic Extreme. perception of what's, of what's going on. So... Uh, and, and so that's a problem with, with art. Now, you, you, you said a question earlier. You asked, well, what's art? I see art as culture. So that means negative, positive, whatever. Oh, and that is your role if you decide that this is going to be your life endeavor. Mm -hmm. And when you shun away from that type of, 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 of need to express the truth as far as your perception of the truth, mm -hmm. then somehow the pieces I find, they don't come out as believable. Mm -hmm. So that, that's my experience mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Well, truth, um, poet, poet truth. Mm -hmm. We're talking about commodity and why artists are maybe not as well recognized as musicians. I, I think different cultural uh, culture has highs and lows, different right. commodification, and I think that... Uh, well, one of, the, one of the least selling, one of the least commodification commodified types of music is the original American music which is which is jazz. Correct, Mitch Foreman? Yes. Yes it is. Hey. We happen to have we happen <laughs> to have a jazzer right Re here. Repeat that the one least time. commodified? The least commodified from what I understand what it changed yeah. the world. I don't think and, and it's, and I it's still doesn't jazz sell isn't jazz doesn't jazz sell less units maybe, than any maybe, other time. Maybe no, it in changed the world. Maybe in America. But from what I understand and I I haven't been further than Canada outside the country, Canada and Mexico. But from what I understand, especially from all my jazz friends, jazz still got got it going on worldwide. And Mitch, I, I have another song with Miles Davis Estate that I did that he has, Blue ah. and Green, that has is making a hell of an impression. Let's take a look also, at let, a let's go back to realize that uh, Bitches Brew Boom. was not really accepted <laughs> until long after Miles was dead. Matter of fact, it still does not, although it's one of the most innovative uh, 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 piece of music mm -hmm. uh, that has ever been created. I'll so take sketches of space. This is Thank the you. most difficult. <laughs> this is the most difficult segue I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, you're not. Since it's not I've going on radio. I hope you've lost control. Yes. Will you throw a rap in there? Will you throw a rap in there? What happened? What I'm all, what I'm trying to get to here. I'm trying to get Mitch Foreman to play for us. Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh, Mitch. 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 Yes. Hey, He's I so haven't met Don yet, by the way. Mitch, we want you here, brother. Mitch is, like I know. You guys are, you guys are flying. flying Mitch is back what's your drink? Yeah, Mitch, what's drink? <laughs> Mitch, what are you playing for us? Hey, I'm going to play a song by uh, Chick Corea called Tones for Jones Bones. Okay. Chick Corea. Yeah. Chick I was tempted to play some Miles Davis, but... You, do you want to play some Miles instead? Nah, do your Chickaree if that's what you uh, want to do. Chickaree is where I was headed. Okay. Okay. Uh, blue and green I was headed. But this will be cool, too. Next time we'll do the other one. Okay, here you go.
So oh. this ain't our first time. And we totally disagree sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do. Mitch Foreman, thank you very oh, much. You're welcome. Very nice. Now, you played with Chick Corea for some, at some point, right? I have played a little bit with Chick Corea, and I've uh, met Miles Davis on a few occasions also. I've been to his, Whoa, been to his house. Well, I could say I met Miles' son. Ah, there you go. You did? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> in New York. I didn't, Mitch, didn't, didn't Miles record something of yours, Mitch? Uh, no, he never did. Oh. You sure about that? Uh, yeah. Very I'm pretty sure that he did at some point. But anyway, we can discuss that another day. Yeah. Hey, listen, Mitch, that was nice. Chick Corea, thank oh, you. You're welcome. Hey, um, I didn't want to let this occasion slip by completely, Dawn, without asking you something about your early career as well. Because everything I've read about you, and I suppose this is true, says that in 1975 you won the Demolition Derby. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of a high mark in my career. It really is. What wow. a way to start out. There's this well, fantastic photo of you, which we should, we should have on our site, actually, which is you standing there triumphant holding up the helmet. Let me just say this. Tall. That's hip-hop. <laughs> I want to tell you. I want to tell you. Want a demolition derby? And you sitting here, and how you doing? Talking about no. I was doing some art writing for a newspaper, and they wanted to have an undercover story about what it's like. A big demolition derby promo thing was coming through, and it was the first venue at the Superdome. And so the editor Jim Glassman of Figaro at the time dared me to do it, and I said, "Oh, I do." We were trying to get the sports writer to do it, but here's the bottom line: I did it. I had never done it before. It was a fluke, but I got some pointers. I actually won the damn thing, oh, and yeah. it was a magic carpet ride, and it let me know with certainty that absolutely anything is possible. Boom. Magic is real. <laughs> That's what did it. What a great start. How old were you when you won that thing? I think 24, 25. Uh, and do we even have demolition derbies anymore, or is that just something of the... Of well, they, uh, they yeah, have them, and I was offered uh, to join the circuit and a lot of money to, to go wow. next to Houston to be the defending champion. I said, <laughs> no, I said... Johnny go downhill. I'm, I said, no, I'm, I'm an undefeated champion. And then they called me a few days later and said, well, look, we'd love to have you with the business. Could we do you in the knife-throwing act? You know? <laughs> <laughs> because well, that, well, they had to make you into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. It was really, it really was like magic is real. Can you so still remember being in the car and driving and being smacked into by everybody? Well, um, I, I actually, when I was interviewed afterwards by sports reporters um, they said well how do you attribute this win I said well I, I just followed Muhammad Ali in the rope-a-dope technique oh. I said I got into the ring in the beginning and I said you know it was I was the only female and 35 male and I said there was a little trepidation and so I decided to wear them out and I hung the ring so I kept driving you around just drive the, out of danger I just stayed out of danger and nice. I said you know an excuse I'm going to use a legitimate quote profanity I said oh I could win this thing when it was me and five cars left, you know? Right. And so then I remembered the pointers, like, never hit a car straight on. Yeah. When you're gonna, and, and if somebody's coming at you, always turn to the left. Let them hit you on the passenger. I mean, the, for any young hopefuls out there, and here's this my final quite good, tip. quite good <laughs> advice for driving on the I-10. And then the last yeah. tip was, and if you're going to finally make a strike, back them into something, not air. So there was this big mountain of cars in the middle of the Superdome, and I just outfoxed the last 
last three guys and creamed them. I em. won my first poker tournament. I, like with that type of approach, I feel you. <laughs> uh, that's a sentence I haven't ever heard in my life. I won my first poker tournament. But the first poker. How many have you won? Uh, I haven't played many after that, just like <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> the first one I did, I won that pot. You, how much did you win? A couple hundred. And you, you know. didn't get the taste for it and think, I'm a winner, I can go and uh, be a professional? I still got it, but I ain't got time for it right now. I'm conquering yeah. something. Float else. like a butterfly, yeah. sting yeah. like a bee. Once my stack where it is, I'm going to travel around the world playing some poker. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a plan for down the line. I ain't number 30. I what, what's, the, what's the immediate plan before the you become a world po- champion poker player? <laughs> uh, putting out this children's book with my kids. What's that called? Uh, the Tiny Elephant. The tiny elephant. Yeah. It's about a tiny elephant? It's about an elephant born so small he walked out of the zoo nobody noticed. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. And how did you come up with that? Uh, same way I come up with everything I Smoke write. and weed. Divine intervention. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. Oh, I, yeah. actually, I actually don't use that for creativity. You, what do you use it for? For playback. Really? Yeah. I, believe it or not, I create totally sober majority of the time. That's very interesting. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that either. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, well, I mean, it gives you another perspective. But yeah, but usually, usually people yeah. use it for creativity. Cause, cause no, 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 no. I, I don't think most people use it for creativity. They, they, they use it to give them another perspective. That, that's what After I did After you've created something because, then. Right, because. Once, okay. Yeah. Once I became. That's what once I screwed up. Once I made the transition from becoming a consumer to a producer of all things. Yeah. I, I hated the fact it was like my childhood was gone. I, I can't enjoy things no more because I see everything in parts and how they were created. And even though I started out smoking for experimentation, you don't, you don't mean that I can't enjoy things anymore, surely? Well, well, I do, but not like not as a consumer. Not as not, I can't sit in the audience anymore. I'm I'm making the show happen. If that makes sense to you, yeah, it does. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so I, even though I started out experimenting, I realized you know why I like you know, using weed or whatever, and it's because it put me on the other side of my artwork. I could, I could, I could mm-hmm. let go as a cre- as the creator of it and enjoy it as a spectator, if that makes sense. Yes, it does, mm-hmm. because when yeah. you're creating it, you want to be in control of what you're creating, but right. when you've yeah. created I, I it, you want to be able to let be, it go. Yeah. I want to sit across the You don't want to sit it. there and pull it to pieces. You want to be a consumer again. Right. Like so when I, say like when I, and I told him I was a visual artist, even though he don't believe me, when no, I no, when no, I put wait, the paint down, hold on. Oh, let me make oh. this point. Let me make this point. <laughs> when I put the when I put the brush down, I'm a barber as well. When I cut a head, I'm a barber as well by trade. When I cut a head or when I make songs, I put when I, once I'm done with it, I, I leave it alone immediately and try to reset my palette and then come back to it and look at it. Mm-hmm. You talking about a haircut? Yeah. Everything that I create. Right. Everything right. That I create, be it a picture, a song, or a haircut. It's good to walk away. I, and I, right. walk, I walk away from it and try to clear my palate. Right. And then right. come back and observe it. Yeah. yeah, you look at it with fresh eyes. There you go. Yeah. It's hard to do that, isn't it, Dawn? No. It's, it's hard to detach yourself from your well, own. It's not hard, but it's well, a Well, you were talking, yeah. uh, you had asked earlier how, how we deal with publics in, in the making of the work, how anticipated that is or premeditated. And so for me, the impulse is not for the public, but it's probably about the public. It's generally mm-hmm. something that has happened, oil spill, Katrina. Some Lately we've had an abundance of collective misery and collective joy. But So I think it comes out of the collective. Uh, and then I'll t- step back and say, okay, is this too in the head? Is it, I want it to just read. I want it to be root, root, metaphor, reduce, condensed, and just hit hit the button exact and to do that sometimes you strip away so I yeah. start out a little max and then try to strip away and it's very important for me to try to develop metaphor that can be appreciated by people of all 
walks of life, the educated and, and the person who doesn't know anything about art. I like to try to f- find some way to hit, hit ground for all. So that's really okay. important to me. Let, we, let's have a listen to something else of Nesby's then. All right, since we did the whole jazz thing, and I'm going to give you another side of uh, my, my music. This one is called Blue and Green. Blue and green. Blue and green. And we use Blue and green. Blue and, Miles Davis, blue and green. Okay. We yeah. use that. And, okay. And I was living in New York all last year, working with a producer by the name of Ski Beats. He's most popular for producing for Jay-Z and Camp Blue and all that. All right? And he was asked by some uh, some staff at Sony. Uh, uh, forget her name. So on the tip of my tongue. But she asked him uh, to remake Bitches Brew. All right, <laughs> and Miles runs down the voodoo, and they gave him the original masters. He had each individual track, and they want him to make a remix of instrumentals of it. In addition to that, they gave him the fifty-three box set of all of his, you know, his music. And uh, we were in the studio. He made a beat out of one of the, uh, the originals, which was blue and green. Called me in and asked me, did I like it? And what I had for it, and what you're about to hear. Is what I had for us. So key in on that, those lyrics, to, so you could get the other perspective of, of who I am. We checking you hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Profanity free. Check Boom. Lockdown, digital block, sell blue rocks and cellophane. The game finna get washed and I can smell the rain. I invite it when it dry, makes the colors brighter. And then turn, I'm inspired. It's only right that I respond yes when asked if I supply. This one fresh out the fire. Would you like to try it? I let it cool a bit. Wouldn't want you to bruise your lips. And I'll admit that I couldn't have been a cooler fifth. Drawn with a felt tip under lunar eclipse. The blue and green enthusiast. Was the unintentional abstract where am I going with this I was hoping you'd ask that more important than destination is the route you take it notice the real it's been coming out you lately I promise it wasn't by design a tribute to intervention divine sitting witness fist in this prime I dive into the sky and be suspended in time I'm alive long as I live in your mind follow the signs encourage you to turn on red flip the status quo on his head flow sleepers never fall out of bed so when it's not to lose and I'm proving it What's a rock in the hard place when it's mountains I'm moving then The blowing green enthusiast Who knows what my treasure lie, fool, show not you I've acquired a quite a bit on my ride And ain't one for being stingy, you ain't busy, you should kick it sometime My life is an open book on the note I can't tell you I know it all, but can't tell you all that I know But expect it to be at a cost, to be so not told The age-old protocol of a boss It's funny how what we all, all start from a thought 
All that I ever wanted really wasn't too far. No lie, no decision to do it then. I peeped the beginning that I already knew the end. The blue and green enthusiast. What, what album is that off? Is it off Ketchup or the that's third side? The, that's, that's on the Ketchup, and it's not an album. It's a Phipps tape. Uh, it's so, a Phipps tape. Yeah, it's not my, an album. That's, that's not an album. I, I, I haven't done an album. Have I done an album? No, I've just done Phipps tapes so far. That's how I, that's how I put out my music. What, what does that mean? A Phipps tape? Well, uh, in hip-hop, they're what they call uh, mixtapes, you know, and it, say like from, because I'm from the analog era originally. uh mm-hmm. Uh, you would put together songs that you would either hear on a CD or some someone other someone else's tape that you like, and you'd dub it onto a tape. Maybe take something off the radio and put it on it. You might miss the first two bars of the lyrics or something like that. But whatever mix, once that tape was full, yeah, I know I used to jam that tape for months on end every day to the point where I could I knew when to stop it at the beginning right. of the song. So that was the approach. And my first project was to put together a bunch of songs that I like, whether I done them or not. And it was this, this was my tape. So my name being Phipps, and I played on the mix tapes. You know, I, I call it a, fi- a Phipps tape. But it is know. available on the usual uh, yeah, you can media. Go, you yeah, can download it. Nesbyphipps.com is, is, is where you go for everything. We so have you, a link to your, to your page on our site. All right, so cool. So people can go there and they can download. Yeah, you definitely can they go there at Nesbyphipps.com. That's where they start with Both you. great albums. They're yeah. all great songs. You're a very, very talented guy. Oh, thank you, bro. Very, very glad to have met you. Dawn Dado, thank you for coming on our show, even though you showed up incredibly late. I hope it was ah, worth it. She wasn't late. It was, was on right on time. Huh? time. Thank you. Long, I see we've rewritten right? the whole no. history for you now. I apologize. Oh, that's all right. Forgiven. Thank well, you. I guess you just have to come back. You're always 10 minutes now. Oh, fine. Uh, no Be problem. glad to. You're a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Willie, Willie Birch, thank you so much for coming, and thank you for thank everything you. you've done. And moving back and living in New Orleans and Thank staying here. Thank you for here. introducing this incredible young man. Oh, you likewise know. to you both. It's been yeah. a great show. Thank you very much. Our show is recorded live at the Columns Hotel at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in lovely uptown New Orleans. Come and join us here any Thursday at 4 o'clock or just thereafter if you're dawn, <laughs> 10 past 4. We're here every Thursday. Our show is on itsneworleans.com and there's plenty more shows for you to check out as well. The Columns is a great place to come and stay if you're coming to New Orleans and a great place to come and have a drink with us or with your own friends if you'd like to come down here. Our shows are produced by Melinda Hawes, Trish Kaufman, Ali Duffy and Nicole Howard. The executive producer is Tanya Castellanos. Mitch Cry is the technical director and Christian Unruh is the musical director of our show. Our web designer and our link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. The theme that you're listening to was written and is being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. We're here at the Columbus Hotel every week. If you can make it down and stay upright for an hour, we'd love to have you as our guest. Check out our other happy hour shows on our site as well as our other shows including Psych Ward. That might be something you brother enjoy <laughs> join us next time on happy hour until then thanks for listening i'm grant morris make Bye. it down and sit up right i would have wrote that in a rap i like that okay <laughs> yeah. that's dope it's all right okay thank you everybody man thank, thank you. you thank you peace thank you